Lord, we um, again declare our love for you, our trust in you. And Lord, um, we together have just said no turning back. And the Lord willing and helping us, we together will be faithful to that promise. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, it's so good to be together in the house of the Lord. And as we were singing that, I just, you might turn that fan towards me. Um, I just, because <laughs> I'm going to preach. Um, friends, I just had this feeling that our best days are ahead. And that as we are committed, that no turning back, I feel like the days for the church to shine brightly are coming, they're here, and they're coming more. And so I am so excited about this message that we're going to be looking at from 2 Corinthians chapter 4. If you want to turn in your Bibles that you've brought with you or on your Bible apps. And as you do, I'm just going to um, read the gospel tool, um, <clears throat> excuse me, section um, 34 that we've been working through um, week by week. We've been growing in our understanding of the gospel of the kingdom and um, we've been maturing as disciples so that we can multiply and make disciples of others. And so, um, session 34, these gifts, which is referring to spiritual gifts that we heard a sermon about last week, these gifts and Christ's continual presence are necessary because life in a world that is in rebellion against God is very difficult for followers of Jesus. Our bodies break down. The chaos and brokenness of the world affect us deeply. We are constantly tempted towards indulging our old sinful selves, and we experience sustained pressure from the kingdom of darkness. And so this is the framework with which we're going to look at um, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And before, we, before I read that passage, and today I'm going to read out of the New Living Translation. Um, usually, um, often we preach out of the NIV, but I'm going to read out of the New Living Translation when I read the passage. But first I want to tell you a little story that I woke up thinking about. Um, when I was a little girl in Mississippi, my parents let me dig in the backyard, and I had a little shovel. And I would spend hours and hours in that red clay dirt um, digging for treasure. And I just thought it would be the most amazing thing in the world if I found like a fossil of like a skeleton or some ancient treasure that was buried in my backyard. And I can't tell you how many hours that I spent in my backyard digging for treasure. A couple of years ago, I had the privilege of going with Pastor Jalisa and Stephanie over to Egypt. Maybe you remember that on my sabbatical. But um, on a day... That was hot, and I'm going to say it was about 116 degrees. We were south of Cairo by several hours in the middle of the desert, going down in this narrow channel into the king's tombs. And we would go and explore, and I mean, it was hot. And it was a narrow tunnel way down below the surface of the ground, and then through all these channels of tunnels, to go see the buried king 
where he was buried and all of his treasures that were buried with him. Because those buried treasures were a testimony of his kingdom. All right? His riches, his rule, his wealth, it was a testimony. And today, I want to say, if you're a Christian, I'm just going to ask you to do this. If you're a Christian, just do this. X marks the spot. The treasure is in you. All right? And so now... 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Therefore, since God in his mercy has given us this new way, we never give up. We reject all shameful deeds and underhanded methods. We don't try to trick anyone or distort the word of God. We tell the truth before God, and all who are honest know this. If the good news we preach is hidden behind a veil, it's hidden only from people who are perishing. Satan, who is the god of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. You see, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord, and we ourselves are your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let there be light in the darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts so that we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. We are pressed On every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but we're not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Yes, we live under the constant danger of death, Because we serve Jesus, so that the life of Jesus will be evident in our dying bodies. So, we live in the face of death, but this has resulted in eternal life for you. But we continue to preach because we have the same kind of faith the psalmist had when he said, I believed in God, so I spoke. And that's a quote from Psalm 116, verse 10. We know that God who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and present us to himself together with you. All of this is for your benefit. And as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving, and God will receive more and more glory. That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day, For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone. But the things we cannot see will last forever. Then I want to read three key verses 
from the NIV version because they form an Oreo. You know I like Oreos. Who likes Oreos in here? Yeah? All right. In the middle is just so great, right? So this is one of those chiastic structures, one of those, like, two things on either side with something really special that the, the language, the way they wrote it, makes that middle, that double stuff so good. All right. So verse 1 says, Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, which is of the Holy Spirit, we do not lose heart. Verse 7 says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. That's the Oreo stuff middle. And then back again, and therefore we do not lose heart. All right. So Paul's telling us a couple of key things. One, he starts this with a really interesting thing that we kind of just gloss over. I mean, um, we hear this, these words, grace, mercy, and peace to you. And he says, it's because of mercy that you've been given this ministry of reconciliation. And we kind of go, okay, and we just go on. But wait a minute, what's he saying? That he's being merciful to us? To give us this ministry of sharing the gospel with others? Well, just in the same way that he is merciful to give us salvation, he's merciful to give us this ministry of cooperating with him to make his kingdom known. He's merciful because he knows how much joy awaits us when we're before the the throne And all these people are giving thanks and we're praising the Lord together and seeing God's glory. He knows what's ahead for us when we're faithful and it's his mercy. We don't deserve it any more than we would deserve to be saved. But he is so good and he gives good gifts to his children. So I just wanted to point that out, that the ministry of the gospel is a mercy. It's a great mercy. And then he says, we don't lose heart. And the the New Living Translation said we don't give up. Because, you know, when you lose heart and you despair, you give up. And he's saying, as Christians, we don't give up because we're being renewed by his presence and his fellowship. Day by day, we're understanding him more as we walk with him and we talk with him along life's way. All right, Paul speaks to the church And he's speaking to them about this ministry of the gospel, and he's speaking as their spiritual father. He's he's the one that has been parenting them spiritually, and he also is modeling in his very life what he's teaching and explaining to them in this passage. He's saying, hey, I face challenges and disappointments along the way. Verses 1 and 2, he's tempted to lose heart. After pouring out his life to establish this church and then to have people within the church start to challenge his authority and bring false teaching in it, he understands the challenges. It's been said that nothing can be more disheartening than to be accused by somebody that we've set out to help. When we've set out to help someone and they turn around and accuse us, It causes us great um, pain. And so Paul has faced the pain of this um, disheartening rising up in his baby church that he loves so much in Corinth. It's betrayal. Verses 3 and 4. He faces a spiritual enemy. 
Another challenge is he says, okay, the God of this world is blinding people. So we're out sharing the good news of Jesus, and it's like we're speaking as plain and clear as can be, and we're getting these fuzzy faces like their eyes are glossed over like, you believe that? You believe that? Paul is facing this kind of challenge, and he's saying, There is a reason their eyes are glossed over. There is a reason they're not understanding. It's because their eyes are veiled by our spiritual enemy. He says in verse 11 that he's in constant danger of death. And then he says in verse 16, his body's wasting away. And you know, we're living in a fallen world, hey? Yeah? And so our bodies suffer the effects of this. Now, just in case you're not as familiar or you don't remember Paul's life story, he um, summarizes some of the things he's faced in 2 Corinthians 11, 23 to 29. He says, um, he says this. He says, I've been in prison more frequently than these people that are accusing him. I've been flogged more severely. I've been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. The 40 lashes, that was 39 lashes with a a whip that had these strips of leather with bone and glass and metal chips. And they stripped you down in front of the whole town. And they started around your face and your chest. And they beat them. And then after that, they had you turn over and bend over. And then they beat your back and your legs until you were bloody and messy. He says, I've had this done three times. I have three times been beaten with rods. I've been pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. Notice there was these things that came through people. Then he's saying, nature's been pelting me, right? I've been in a shipwreck. I spent a night and a day in open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been danger from rivers, danger from bandits, danger from my fellow Jews, danger from the Gentiles, and danger in the city, danger in the country, danger at sea. Danger from false believers. I've labored and I've toiled and I've gone without sleep and I've known hunger and thirst and I've gone without food and I've been cold and I've been naked and beside everything else, I face daily the pressure of the concern I have for all you believers. You want to know what's been challenging for me? I have such love and I'm so concerned for my church. Paul had faced challenges and disappointments. Today, the church has faced challenges and disappointments, and we're such an individualistic society that it's hard for me to kind of name these. What have you faced individually? Because each of you could name your list of things that you've gone through, and what have we gone through as a church? But church, it's tempting to lose heart. It's tempting to lose heart when we're accused by those that we're setting out to help. When we've raised our children in the fear of the Lord, and they turn their backs. When we see our grandchildren making choices, and you think, you have been raised to know God's ways. Why are you walking away from it? Betrayal. Broken relationships. Living as a Christian in North America, where it seems like increasingly it's countercultural. And we're trying to stand and not just give lip service, but we're trying to live out our values. And it's like we're like aliens and strangers. They don't understand. In other places, being Christian is illegal and openly punished. 
And like was prayed in North Korea, if you are a Christian, you are sent to a labor camp to be starved and worked to death. If you are in other places, communist countries, you are targeted. You are considered very highly dangerous. You might be persecuted. You might be put in prison, shut down, unless you'll be a puppet pastor or a puppet Christian and just go along with the government. All right? The church faces difficulties. And we have this same spiritual enemy, as Paul did, where we have the devil that's just trying to blind the eyes and is blinding eyes, and we're trying to share the gospel, the good news, of another way of life and hope and integrity. And it's like, what are you talking about? They're blinded. We face this challenge as we're trying to get the gospel message out. We're living in constant danger. The news is constantly bombarding us with updates of world instability, of bombs and guns and violence and hurricanes and wildfires and just, you, yeah, right? Like you turn, like even you've got your little notifications and it's like all day long. They're popping up telling you the dangers and what's going on. And as Christians, as we've been praying for the Christians in Afghanistan, um, some of us listened to a podcast this week that told about how that um, Iran has had these amazing, um, the church in Iran has had these amazing experiences of seeing and encountering Jesus in their sleep, in their dreams, and then they're discipling, and so they, the church in Iran and Afghanistan is some of the fastest growing churches in the world right now. It's underground. It's not up, out in public. But these first generation Christians have been discipling the second and third. But the first and second generation, the first, you know, like the spiritual fathers and the spiritual grandmas and grandpas have fled to the hills because they, they are known. They are known by the Taliban. They're known by ISIS. And they are fleeing and they're living in caves. And they said, pray for them because winter is coming. All right? It's dangerous. And in certain places in the world right now, it's extremely dangerous to be a Christian. And our bodies break down and get sick. And we know that because we didn't have a pastor here a few weeks ago because we got sick and the other one needed a vacation and it was already scheduled. It happens. This morning, Pastor Jalisa is supposed to be preaching. She's sick today. We get sick. And so we're facing these challenges. And yet we think about even our brothers and sisters today in Louisiana that are facing this hurricane coming in and the hospitals and the ones that can't be evacuated, right? And there are Christians. There are Christian nurses and doctors that are there. Friends, we should be praying for them. Today is a day for their light to shine, to bring peace where there could be such fear and chaos. And so like Paul, we face challenges, discouragements, accusations. You've had challenges in your life. You've had broken relationships. You've had um, Anna Marie. You talked about abuse, trauma. Like there's different things. Each of us have a different life story, but we face challenges. And yet... Paul tells us that this ministry of sharing the good news is God's mercy, and he calls us to not lose heart. And so how can this be? Well, Paul talks about 
that we're like um, jars of clay with this great treasure inside. And he was very specific to choose jars of clay because actually they made bronze jars in that area that they were known for. But he said, you're like jars of clay. Jars of clay, they were inferior products. They were very fragile. They broke easily. You had to hold them up to the light to see if they had a crack in them before you used them. Um, This is, he says, we're jars of clay. And yet, he says, we have this treasure in us. And in the Greek, that word treasure, it means a treasure, a treasure chamber holding massive amounts of riches. And Rick Renner says, we hold and possess as our very own this treasure, the treasure of the Holy Spirit. Um, years ago, I think it's 20 some years ago, I used to, um, I used to watch movies a little bit more. I don't watch too many, but National Treasure. I don't know if any of you all remember National Treasure, but there was this National Treasure. It was a mystery, so of course I like mysteries. And, um, anyway, and finally they found the National Treasure, and when the lights went on, it just went on and on and on with all these artifacts and all these very valuable things. And like, it, like the whole room, like it had been dark and then it just sparkled and shone with all these treasures. Friends, we possess the treasures of the kingdom of God. Remember, the king was buried with his treasures in Egypt. He didn't want to hide his treasures. He put them in our hearts so that they could be seen by the world. His power, his glory, all his abilities could come through us. And he does this contrast that we have this trouble, but yet there's this grace. So we're pressed down on every side, but we are not crushed. We're perplexed, but we're not driven to despair. We're hunted down, but we are never abandoned by God. Every Christian that's in hiding in Afghanistan this morning is not abandoned by God. God is right there. And it may be that he's showing himself to them right there in the same way that for in some, he revealed himself in a vision or in a dream. He may be manifesting himself to let them know they are not alone in this case. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Though suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus can be seen in our bodies as well. We have the same resurrection power that raised Jesus from the dead, that Paul had in him, lives in us by the person of God, the Holy Spirit. We have this treasure in our very fragile jars of clay. This treasure is available, but we don't often turn on the lights and activate and see it until we're active in sharing our faith. And I want to read this from Philemon 1.6. It says in the ESV, And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that's in us. I pray that your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that's in it. As we share the gospel, as we try to reach out with this good news of Christ, we start to recognize and actually like turn on the lights. Actually, he says his light has shone in us, right? And all of a sudden, these treasures start to come out. 
And so what did this mean for the um, original audience? It meant that they could look at Paul and how he had been through all these torturous, horrible things on their behalf and how the Lord was sustaining him. And they would go, the Lord would do that for me too because he lives in me. And so today we can hear this, what all Paul went through, and we can say, God lives in me. This same treasure of the Holy Spirit, the person of God, lives in me. And he wants to encourage us that we may look plain and we may look weak, but we were chosen. You were chosen to be a treasure trove, like to be a treasure chest, to be one that would show and reveal the kingdom and all of its power and all of its glory. And the... um, there was one of those um, life application Bibles, and I was looking at the study notes in that, and it made an interesting observation that for many living during the time of Paul, they would have seen all of his difficulties and maybe felt like his life wasn't amounting to much. It didn't look like much. They heard about all of his hardships and so forth, and he's having to write these letters, and you know he's getting driven out of cities and so forth. And yet here we are on this side... And we can go, he has impacted the church through history. And so maybe you're sitting here today and you're going, I don't feel like my life has amounted to much because I've just been struggling and I've been facing challenge after challenge after challenge. And I just want to say, do not lose heart. Do not give up because the Lord wants to use you right where you are to be an illustration of the power of God. And that he may do the very same thing that he did through Paul as he does through your life as you're faithful. And don't give up. When we feel like we're at the end of our rope, we're not without hope. When we're pressed on every side, the Holy Spirit sustains us and we're not crushed. God says he shows us strength in our weakness. It's when we turn and it, he, Paul quoted from Psalm 116, which is one, I got it. I've got it here. I want to just read this to you a minute. The very first verse, it says, I love the Lord, for he heard my voice. He heard my cry for mercy. Because he turns his ear to me, I will call on him as long as I live. So every time we face a challenge, every time we face an obstacle, every time that something is coming against us, when we're trying to, as Derek said, get off of our picnic blankets jump in the swamp and try to help the people around us that are struggling, lost in sin, and need a hope of Jesus, when we get off that blanket, we jump in, we don't know what we're doing, and we're facing all kinds of difficulties, and maybe even our bodies are breaking down, or our cars are breaking down, or our air conditioning is breaking down, or whatever it is, when we call on the Lord, he helps sustain us and strengthen us. And this is the testimony We embody a testimony of perseverance. We embody the strength of God when we stand and when we stand strong saying, the Lord's going to help me through this. All right. um, When we're perplexed, the Holy Spirit has answers. We're not driven to despair. And I don't know about you, but when I read the news and I try to figure out what is truth anymore, it's like, what is true? And who can I trust? And yet, if I keep turning to this source and that source, but am I turning to God who's in me, the Holy Spirit, and saying, what is true? And what are the answers? And what is the hope for the world? 
This is where he gets revealed. Last week we heard in the um, message about the guy who was wanting to um, be faithful and he felt a prompting to go across the street when he was tired at night and unlocking his door. He went over to the cafe, it was closed, and he's thinking, Lord, if you want me to share the gospel, why am I out here? And then suddenly the six guys stumble out drunk out of the um, gay bar. And then the Lord gave him words of knowledge that he was able to speak as he was asking the Lord, like, what am I doing out here? What are we doing, Lord? But he cooperates and he speaks. And six men are broken and realize there is a God and they come to salvation on the street. It's words of knowledge. That was a treasure that came out as he was relying on the Lord. When we're facing racial tension in this land of ours. It is not going to come by this curriculum or that curriculum. It's going to come by the gospel of Jesus Christ, where we repent where we need to repent, ask for forgiveness, where we love and keep loving, and where we build relationship, and where the Lord brings unity. Friends, the gospel, God has the answers for the problems in the world. When I was in California last week, or a few weeks ago now, um, seems like last week, life's a blur. Um, anyway, and um, Jackie and Kevin were out there, and we heard these testimonies of the church loving their neighbors enough that when there were children that were abducted and lost children, that they went to prayer. And they were praying and asking the Lord for treasures. The mind of Christ. Lord, show us what is happening. How can we help? And they get specific information that they're able to share with the officials. And children that are missing are found by the officials. Another pastor that we heard talking about wanting the gospel to come forward, wanting the church to rise in this time, and he and his wife get an invitation a few years ago to go to the National Prayer Breakfast in Washington, D.C. And so he's like, Lord, I'm here and I'm praying for our nation, but Lord, what do you want to do in our nation? How do you want to reveal yourself? How do you want to bring um, revival? How do you want to, to show yourself? And he's walking along, and he and his wife, and he encounters this couple from another country. And um, as they're talking, all that's obvious to him is that he sees a sword stuck in the woman's abdomen. It wasn't a physical sword, but in his mind, he saw a sword. And so he's like, Lord, what do I do? Like, what, you know, and it, it, the impression just kept staying. So he um, turned to the hut. He said, um, do you mind if I ask? And he said, you know, I'm, I'm, do you have any problem with your abdomen? Or like I'm seeing like I, I'm seeing a sword. I know this sounds strange, but I'm seeing a sword in your abdomen. And the woman goes, oh, and anyway, and he thought, oh, no, no. <laughs> and then um, she says, I have been having pain. For a long time, and I've been to many specialists and many doctors, and they can't find the pain. And so the pastor turns to her husband, because it was a patriarchal country where this couple had come from, to come to the National Day of Prayer in Washington. And anyway, and he said, may I pull that sword out of your wife's 
um, abdomen. I see it right here. And he pointed to the, you know, space. And the husband was like, I, yes, in any way. And so he goes, okay, you know, and, um, and the woman collapses on the ground. And so the people are like scurrying around, like, do we need to call 911? And he's like, it's okay. Oh, it's okay. It's Jesus. It's Jesus is working right now. And anyway, and so a couple of people pray. She gets up and she says, it's gone. It's gone. The pain is gone. Well, news spread. He and his wife went upstairs to rest for a couple hours. They came down for lunch and they gather with a group of people around a table. And the Lord kept giving words of knowledge and kept moving in power over and over and over again. Friends, what would it be like if that treasure chest in you started to bust open and bless people and make Jesus known in these ways? We're hunted down and persecuted, but we're never alone. And I want to remind you that when Paul and Silas were in that jail, they were singing praises. Why? Because they were singing to the one that was right with them. And he brought a miraculous deliverance. And then when Paul was stoned, you remember the story in Acts 14? He was stoned and they drug him out of the city and thought he was dead. And believers gathered around him. And they don't know whether it was a resurrection that happened or just an incredibly miraculous healing. But he was well enough to be on his way and sharing the gospel the next day. Friends, we may be pushed down. We may be pressured. You may be facing things that think, this is going to like break me. And when you turn to him and ask for his help, he will strengthen you to stand. He'll help you. And your life will be a testimony to those around. I don't know if you have been feeling like, I'm just too pressured. I can't go on. Maybe I, I just had this feeling. Maybe somebody's feeling like, I'm just so beat up. I just need to walk away from what I thought God was asking me to do. Or it just seems like doors keep closing. And I just feel like the Lord's saying, do not give up on your call. Do not give up on what the Lord's asked you to do. I don't know who I'm speaking to, so I'm just turning around and saying, if that's you, do not give up. Turn to the treasure of Jesus himself who's in you. And let him give you strength. Jenny Allen, a Christian author, Bible teacher, was going to have a, pot, or a TV, YouTube um, broadcast this week about the situation in Afghanistan. She's in, like her organization is media tech savvy. They had done everything possible. She said they had spent weeks making sure and troubleshooting ahead of time so this broadcast would go out to the church so the church would know the power of God and what was needed to be prayed for. And what happens? This is what happens. They have a technical glitch. And they've got all these people trying to watch the broadcast and they can't broadcast the interview with these pastors from Iran and Afghanistan. So she said, I went outside and had a good cry because we are fragile, right? We are these fragile clay jars. And then she said, Lord, what do you want me to do? I know this message has to get out. And he gave her the idea, just make it a podcast the next day. And they were trying to raise $200,000 so that funds could get sent to these underground pastors that they knew that could get resources where they needed to be on the ground. 
Would you believe that the day after that podcast, she sent an email out and she goes, if you need some good news, we were shooting for 200000 The Lord raised $1.5 million. And so obstacles, challenges, let's see what the Lord in his treasure chest might want to do if we turn to him for his wisdom. We have a neighbor, and we've been praying for that neighbor. I think I've shared with you before last year that he has pancreatic cancer. We've been praying for him. Yesterday morning, I was begging the Lord, Lord, please give me the gift of healing. Please give me the gift of healing. I so want our neighbor to be healed for your glory. His wife came over and spent time telling us he's getting seven liters of fluid drawn off of his abdomen every Friday. Every Monday, he goes to Ann Arbor and gets experimental treatments for this cancer. He's tired. He's worn out. He's sad. And I saw him yesterday, and I went over to talk to him. And I said, I want you to be healed. I'm praying for your healing. Can I pray with you again for your healing? Yes, please. And he goes, but I might die. And I said, yeah. I said, how do you feel about that? And he goes, Jesus has forgiven me of all my sins. He said, I know I'm in a good relationship with the Lord. And if I die, I'm at peace. I just want the Lord's will. Friends, that is a treasure. That is the power of God. That is a testimony that he testifies not only to his health care workers every time he goes to see them, and he has peace that surpasses all understanding. He has a desire to live, but he's at peace if he goes. He's got a witness to his family, to his children, to his grandchildren. This is the power of God. This is the treasure. When we're Christians, we have that blessed Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, living within us. And he's there to reveal Jesus to the world, to reveal this hope. And so Paul says, I just count these sufferings as light and temporary. In fact, they said that if you look at the original language, it's like this is ridiculous to even try to bring a comparison between what is to come and the joy that's going to be when all together we're around the throne and worshiping the Lord Paul teaches us by example today, our spiritual father, he teaches us, keep your eyes on the things to come. Keep your eyes on Jesus. He's given us his Holy Spirit. He's given us the gifts. And he gives us the strength to make his power and his kingdom known. Amen. Amen. Let's pray as the, um, I think the, I don't know what's happening next. What's happening next? Worship team. Worship team is coming up. You know, when we preach, we just get so caught up in the Lord that details about the next thing kind of lose. Lord, um, thank you that you've made each of us that believe in you. Um, you've hidden treasure in us. 
And, Lord, you didn't hide it there to stay hidden, but you want to reveal your power and your strength to the world. And so, Lord, I pray for a strengthening now that you'd renew in their inner being each person that's sitting here, Lord, that you would strengthen them with power to know your love and to have faith. Lord, I pray for an impartation of faith, that they would step out in faith wherever they jump into the swamp to try to love other people and help them know about Jesus, Lord. I pray that they would not do it in their own strength, but they'd keep turning to you and receiving your power, receiving your gifts for your glory and yours alone. And all God's people said, Amen.